How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast, brought to you in association with Ladbrokes. The January transfer window is in full swing now. Philippe Coutinho is finally a Barcelona player. £142 million spent on that transfer and surely more money to be spent throughout the month. Uh, We're going to be looking at the January transfer window uh, on this podcast. We're also going to be looking at uh, the Premier League weekend coming up. And we also have a special interview with Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, World Cup 1966 winner. Um, throughout this podcast uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan in the hot seat once again And we're joined by James Whalen, Mirror Football Writer How are you doing James? All good, all good And we're also joined by uh, our social media manager um, Connor Mummery, how are you? Yeah, great, thanks uh, I like that title It's not actually my social title, manager. I'll take it Yeah, so manager's good yeah. <laughs> Manager, it's yeah. editor, isn't it? Yeah, it's editor No, I prefer manager now Manager, okay yeah, well, so so manager. Social manager Head coach Head coach, yeah, yeah <laughs> Social media head, head coach. coach Yeah, I've got a director as well So I'm head coach, technically <laughs> Okay, good I don't, I don't do transfers Yeah, good, good Good, there we go We've uh, given you a promotion already <laughs> um, Mentioned Philippe Coutinho there uh, Finally a Barcelona player um, It was kind of going to become this saga Which was going to run through the whole of January Um is it the right move at the right time? I think in previous podcasts we've said maybe it should be done at the end of the season. Uh, James, do you think maybe in actual fact Coutinho is right to to get it done now? Um, I actually expected it to be done in the summer. I, I kind of thought they might do a deal in January for it to go through in the summer. Um, and I think, as we understand it, Liverpool did try and get him back on loan for six months and, until the end of the season. Uh, and then he, he would join Barcelona fully in, in the summer. But obviously... Um, Neither Philip Coutinho nor Barcelona were that keen on that suggestion. I think ultimately, um, Coutinho had his heart set on this move in the previous summer, um, and Liverpool dug their heels in, rightly so. It's their prerogative, um, but ultimately, what we've seen is player power come to the fore. Um, he is one of the top three or four players in his position in the world, and if he wants a move to one of the biggest clubs in the world uh, he's, he's going to get it and um, you know he's he's ultimately forced it through with his representatives I actually think Liverpool have got a great deal um, £142 million it's a staggering sum of money the second highest transfer fee we've ever seen um, Barcelona have got a brilliant player Liverpool have got a lot of money to, to go and replace him so um, I think it's been quite an amicable, amicable transfer and I think everyone's pretty happy yeah. Uh, £142 million. Um, I know it's maybe wrong to discuss transfer fees these days given the way the market is given how kind of inflated it is but have Barcelona maybe overpaid for Coutinho I mean did, did Liverpool were, I mean were they so much better when Coutinho was in the team was it so noticeable or was it £142 million worth of noticeable uh, when he was there I mean the, the stats don't, don't really reflect uh just how influential he was in that side. I mean, you look at how he combined with uh, what they were coined the Fab Four with Salah, Mane, Firmino. They are definitely going to miss that. I mean, they've got Lalana coming back from injury, um, but he's, he's not obviously quite at that level. But 
I think there was a danger with Barcelona just wanting to get it done because if if he continued the sort of form he was in this season already, then you know you could have even seen a higher transfer fee than than the one they ended up paying. Yeah, I think you touched on it in in asking the question there. I think the transfer fee is just becoming more and more of an irrelevance mm-hmm. every passing window. Um, you know, you can pluck a pluck a sum out of thin air and say, is this player worth this amount of money? Ultimately. Uh, if he's going to go to Barcelona and make a difference on the pitch, which I'm sure he will, he's worth whatever they pay for him because he's gonna that success is probably going to replicate into into league titles, into Champions League titles. So um yeah, it's a bit like Liverpool paying seventy five million for Virgil van Dijk. Is he worth that money? Probably not, but if he if he shows up their defence then job done. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff Hurst speaks um, with the interview you're going to hear very shortly on this podcast. He speaks about the transfer fees and, I say, the inflated market and and what it is. He actually speaks really positively about you know the spending of of, of such money, which is interesting. You'll hear that interview very shortly. Thomas Lamar is a man who is linked with Liverpool as a potential replacement for Philippe Coutinho. Uh, Arsenal also linked with his uh, signature. Um, 13 to 8 with Ladbrooks to join Liverpool, 9 to 1 to John Arsley, looking like Liverpool is the place where he's going to go. Um, James, is he the man to replace Coutinho? Um, I think I'd, I'd be careful in calling him a replacement just because he's a different footballer. He plays in a different position. Um, you know, he's, he's a winger, he's, he's pacey, he's a player that wants to get to the byline and get crosses into the box. And he's a player that I think rather than replacing Coutinho is, is someone that could benefit from having someone in that mould alongside him on the pitch to sort of get the ball from uh, go and do his work and then give it back to and hopefully feed a striker or, or something like that but he, he's, um, he's a magnificent footballer and he's he's still pretty young I think he's only 22 uh, a French international and um, someone that Liverpool would benefit from having uh, as we understand it it's going to take about £90 million to get him out of Monaco which is one hell of an investment, um, and obviously the the bulk of the Coutinho fee gone on one player. So um, I think it'd be probably a calculated gamble if Liverpool were to splash that kind of money. And I can see why their favourite set of Arsenal, because as we've seen in the past, Arsenal don't spend that yeah. sum of money Especially on a player. Ninety million pounds, exactly, exactly. Um, there's plenty of deals kind of being discussed and stuff in kind of all across the media. Uh, Alexis Sanchez is one of the players that is. Heavily linked with uh, a move, uh, will Manchester City pay the twenty-five? I think I think Arsenal want thirty-five. I think that's right. Arsenal want thirty-five for Sanchez. Um, City willing to pay about twenty-five million to take him this month, as opposed to the end of the season. Um, Connor, why would Manchester City need someone like Alexis Sanchez now? When I mean, City haven't lost the game all season, barring you know a Champions League dead rubber. Um, why why did they need to add someone like him? Well, they don't, obviously don't need to add to their squad to be able to win the Premier League, but I think he's the type of player that could help them kick on and really challenge in the Champions League. Uh, I mean, Aguero, he still props up with goals, but he's not... I mean, they're still challenging on four fronts at the moment. He's not a player that's going to be able to play every game week in, week out. You've obviously got the Gabriel Jesus injury, which is what's brought this rumour back up back up to the fore. Um I think it would be a huge loss for Arsenal. I mean, thirty-five million is not going to do a great deal for them. I mean, it's nothing to City, but Arsenal will lose that player who can grab a game by the scruff of the neck and win it, like he has done on multiple occasions this season. Even though people are saying he's not been at his best, if you look at the, the Palace game recently, he scored a brace, won that game on his own. Um, I think City would benefit hugely with him in the front line. Guardiola said he sees him playing up top centrally, 
I think him with you know Sane serving either side is uh, will be a force to be reckoned with. What would happen to Arsenal if uh, they were to sell Sanchez now? And obviously, Özil almost definitely it seems leaving at the end of the season. Um, it's kind of worrying times from Arsenal's perspective, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I, I think if I again, it comes down to the player. Ultimately, I think if he if he wants to force his move through, then he probably will. But if I was Arsenal and Alexis Sanchez is willing to wait six months to go to Manchester City, I wouldn't cash in because finishing in the top four is going to be a lot more lucrative than £35 million. And again, if Sanchez knows he's getting that move in the summer, then he might start playing like the Alexis Sanchez we've seen in glimpses this season, but it's been the exception rather than the rule, I think. Uh, too many games, he's, he's looked completely disinterested. Um, and maybe if he does get that guarantee of his big move in six months he might want to send, uh, send you know, say goodbye to, to the Arsenal fans by at least getting him in the top four maybe even going on and winning the Europa League we saw Manchester United do it last year they didn't finish in the top four but it was a route into the Champions League for them so um, I think that is a competition that while Arsene Wenger uh, made a lot of changes in the group stages I think now the knockout stages have come around he's probably going to take it quite seriously yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a transfer battle kind of involving uh, Arsenal and Manchester City. There is another one involving them two clubs, uh, Johnny Evans from West Brom. Um, personally, I don't see him as good enough, for, you know, for that elite level of club. Um, do you maybe see what um, these big clubs are seeing in Johnny Evans? Well, I don't think Arsenal are at that elite level at the moment. Uh, I don't think they have been for a few years. Um, but I think I think Johnny Evans would be a good buy for them. You, know, you watched them the other day defending at Nottingham Forest. I think Johnny Evans is a much much better yeah. centre back at the moment than the likes of Per Matsaka, Callum Chambers still playing there. Uh, they, they brought that young Greek lad. I'm not going to try and say his name. So I don't <laughs> even know what it is. Um, but I think he's definitely a type of player that could shore up their defence. Oh, you can't trust Koscielny obviously with his ongoing Achilles issues. He's in and out of the side. Mustafi's still not you know properly shown what what he's capable of doing. I think Johnny Evans would be a good buy, and I think you could say the same for Man City. I mean, John Stones isn't—he he, he showed what he's capable of last season. You know, last season was probably his best, best one of his best seasons as a professional footballer. But I mean, you watch him against Bristol City last night. Um, what was it? Yeah, Tuesday night. Um, I think Johnny Evans is, is a player that could help both of those sides. Definitely. I, I think I think Arsenal need him a lot more than Man City do. Um, and with Connor, I think he's a decent defender. Um, you know, he ain't Fabio Cannavaro, but he's all right. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, te- technic- te- technically, he's got something. I, can, yeah, see, I yeah. can see that. But I mean, he's literally gone from the scrap heap at Manchester United, and there's a reason why he went to the scrap on you know on the scrap heap at Manchester United. And we did have the likes of Ferdinand and Vidic. He did, and also I think like because he he broke through there as a very young player. You know, he's still I think he's only 30. 30, 30 yeah, 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 exactly. So he's still young enough. He's probably at his peak as a centre half at 30 years old. So. Um, you know, I, I don't think it. I think it'd be a good signing for Arsenal. I think he definitely improves their defence. You touched on the Forest game; they were embarrassing. You know, they've got they've got injuries back there, and you you can't be relying on Per, per Mertesacker to come in and go to the Etihad or go to Old Trafford and get a result. It's not going to happen. You know, you need someone. You need someone more solid than that. Um, you know, I, I don't really see that City are desperate for a centre half. Not at least until the summer. I think Nicholas Otamendi has been outstanding this season. Uh, we saw Mangala come in last night and have a, do- a dodgy performance, and it was you know, obviously John Stones with the with the lunge for the penalty. But 
you know, again, I think he's had a decent season, Stones. I think Stones and Otamendi are a more than adequate centre half partnership for Manchester City. Fair enough. Uh, I was having a little think earlier, um, just when I was thinking transfer market and when I was trying, trying to put all this together. I was trying to think, okay, Coutinho's cost 140 million. I was like, who's going to be the next Premier League footballer who's going to cost that sort of money? Um, the first one that came into my mind, and sorry, Connor, I know you're a Tottenham fan, um, is Harry Kane. Harry Kane, is he worth 150 million pounds? Is he in that sort of sort of bracket? Uh, or you're going to say he's priceless, aren't you, or something cheesy like that? Of course, he is priceless. But uh, yeah, he's a much more valuable player than someone like Coutinho. He's younger than Coutinho. Uh, you probably couldn't name a, a better number nine in world football at the moment. I'm not saying he's the best player in the world, but you've obviously got Messi and Ronaldo. But I think number nine is definitely up there with like Lewandowski and Icardi. Um, I just can't see Daniel Levy selling him. Yeah. Anytime soon. Absolutely. Uh, I spoke to Sir Jeff Hurst early today on the Sunseeker stand at the London Boat Show. Uh, literally got to sit on a beautiful £2.5 million yacht uh, with a World Cup winner, which was a, a nice little treat. Uh, but I asked him about Harry Kane um, while we were there and also about the you know, possibility of moving to Real Madrid. Uh, so here is what Sir Jeff had to say. Okay, I'm here with. Jeff Hurst, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank That's you very. Me. That's correct. So, so thank you very much for coming on the the Mirror Football Podcast. Really yeah. nice to have you. You're welcome. Um, I want to talk to you first of all about kind of Premier League football and stuff, uh, kind of the modern day. Um, we're in the middle of the January transfer window. There's been some extortionate transfer fees uh, banded about. Uh, we'll start with Philippe Coutinho. Uh, it's the one that everyone's been talking about. He's, uh, does the money kind of blow your mind, obviously, compared to the day you were playing to players going for 140-odd million pounds these days? Wow, it, yeah, it blows my mind. Of course, coming from a time 50-odd years ago when I played, but what, what I find fascinating now, you get players who've just retired five or ten years ago. It's blowing their minds. They've just finished playing. It's how astonishingly quick the, the, the money's going up. Um, and people have said for years in, in the Premier League, you know, the astonishing fees that go up and up and up, and it's, it's going to stop, and it's going to stop, and it, it doesn't appear to be doing so. So it's, it's quite astonishing. But that's, it's easy to talk about the money, but it, that's, that's the current rate for the top clubs to be paying for top players. That's where it is. Um, only when they start playing do they judge whether the player is worth whatever fee that's been paid for it. Um, but I, I looking at um, Philip Coutinho, I would think that the way he's been playing and his attitude for Liverpool has been fantastic. I don't think that um, Barcelona will be cl- complaining too much about not getting value for money for what a fantastic player is. I think there's always occasions in the, when players are bought and sold for various, any level of money, whether they're actually of value for it, and some are not. But I would think at the top end now, when they're paying that sort of money, the real big money, there are not that many mistakes being made for the for what they're getting in terms of value, and I'm sure that's going to be the case with with Philip Coutinho. He looks a fantastic player and a great character as well. And I think what's what's been great about him, this has been ongoing from an ongoing saga, you know, for for a year probably is going to happen. But within all that, what's been admirable about the player, he's kept uh, playing for the club. Uh, with a great attitude, and I think that's admirable because not of, sometimes, not often, the case that doesn't always appear when the players are at odds with the, the club and shows that, which I think is is very disrespectful to that club particularly or, or to the game in general. Absolutely. Um, another player who 
might, well, at the moment has got a price tag of about 150 odd million. Uh, England striker, Tottenham striker, Harry Kane. Um, I mean, at the moment he can't stop scoring hat tricks and stuff. Um, how do, how, well, first of all, what are your opinions of Kane as a striker? Do you see him as a in that world class bracket? Oh, he's, he's absolutely. It's two or three years now he's been scoring goals consistently. Was it eight hat tricks already this year? Um, his, his, his play and his attitude has been fantastic. And of course, the difficulty that, that uh, with all these players and transfers is um, whether they can keep players like the Harry Kane's of this world who are playing great for their club if I were to advise Harry Kane I mean there's, t- there's a lot of talk about trophies being won or not being won at various clubs and uh, people are saying they, he's got to win trophies I having finished a long time ago and looking at what may happen to him if he plays for to- if he, as long as he's on the good money he's got to be on the good money which he's going to get to I think as long as he keeps playing for Tottenham and they're playing like they're playing and he keeps scoring goals I would say it wouldn't hurt me if I was Harry Kane and I played for Spurs forever and, and sp- spent my time at the club earning very good money, comparable with the, with the big, and that he deserves that, that he looks back and says, I, I wish I'd have moved, I didn't win many trophies. You're never guaranteed of winning trophies. Uh, his attitude seems great. Um, but it, 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 it in the, it, if people can offer you a lot more money, any walk of life if somebody comes to you and says well you're on 10,000 a year but this company will pay you 20,000 a year not only your head turn financially particularly in a short career you've got to look at it but I think if they my advice if, if they come up with the right money and they're talking 200 grand if that's what the, what the papers are saying stay stay there Harry you're loved at Tottenham you're a great fantastic player um, stick where you are I wouldn't be regretful that I hadn't moved to another club um, and not guarantee the, the trophies. Absolutely, uh, he's very much linked with Real Madrid. There was anything Zidane's given him kind of a, a real big billing, uh, especially ahead of the Champions League games. Uh, do you maybe think that more English players could go abroad? Is there a scope for English players to develop um, if they were to go overseas? Oh, I think yes. That's a different argument entirely uh, about moving because it's a, it's a great uh, opportunity to play in a different league with different players. It's a great education, I think. Um, and a, a fantastic experience one that I would have enjoyed had the opportunity to go to a, a foreign club particularly like the Barcelona's and the Real Madrid this, Real Madrid's, to live in Spain to learn another language and it's a great great country great, great culture great cities um, that argument probably in, in a sense with me would be a stronger argument to go and move to Barcelona than necessarily because of the money and you might win a few things you see, at the moment, it goes in cycles. If you move to Real Madrid, well, they're fourth in the league at the moment. So, but would you move to Madrid? Not just Harry Kane, but anybody. Yeah, possibly, because it's a great city and there's a culture and it's a fantastic football club. Um, the opportunities are there. Uh, very quickly, before we round off this uh, particular chat, um, two of your former clubs have had reasonably torrid seasons in the Premier League, in West Ham and Stoke. Uh, West Ham first of all um, has David Moyes perhaps surprised you in the way that he's come in and changed what was uh, kind of a borderline disastrous season for, for West Ham oh it, it absolutely has not surprised me in, 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 uh, at all I was extremely disappointed with one or two rumblings I'd heard were a small minority of West Ham fans thinking he wasn't the right choice his record at uh, Everton has been fantastic and a club in a similar position to that, just outside the top six probably um, and a great choice 
going to Man United as he did was always going to be an immensely difficult job for anybody and it's already been proved for anybody that's followed Alex, Alex Ferguson we've seen two or three now uh, Louis van Gaal uh, even Mourinho with the money he spent he's complaining he's, he's not spending enough money following Alex Ferguson and, and as he did as um, Moyes did, David Moyes did as well was going to be uh, a tough almost impossible job to follow who, who, can, who can beat that and follow that impossible I think he's a good choice he's managed at the top level in a club in a similar similar sort of level of, of us if you like compared with Everton compared with West Ham just outside that top six as I've said so I'm pleasantly surprised not I'm not surprised that he's doing a good job at, at all it doesn't surprise me and I think a very good choice um, for the position and you're another former club Stoke uh, obviously Mark Hughes has been sacked um, was the writing on the wall for him do you think well, it's, it's results business, isn't it? They all—it's uh, a results business, and uh, I think what obviously the nail in the coffin was uh, the commentary game immediately after the, the club club form. Then, then all the, the rumblings about what's happening, and then going and get beat by Coventry was always going to be very difficult to come back from that. It is—it is very difficult. Out, you look outside that top six or seven of the the major clubs, and we talked about transfer fees, how big they are, and the quality players, the money you've got to pay for t- uh, the top players. Clubs outside that top six, like the Evertons, like the West Ham's, like the Stoke Cities, are in many respects, you know, just in, in one sense, awkwardly just fighting for survival to stay in the division. Um, and I, you know, I've looked back to my club again. We, it's, I think it's a great move, the stadium and so on. But I think the we're we're light years ahead of, uh, away from Estocar, and it's a question of just. Holding, holding a nerve and, and uh, doing a good job just by keeping in the league. And, um, but once results go against you, and every club, like Stoke, like West Ham, like... This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Everton, we've seen every club outside that top six have a run where they, they'll lose five or six games on the trot. Because if they didn't, they'd be in the top six. So every club like that, you look at every, almost every club outside that top six or seven, repeat myself, over the period of, of a season will get beat a few times. We'll have a real dodgy run. Um, it comes with the territory. Absolutely. Uh, so, Jeff, first, uh, speaking to us on the Mirror Football podcast um, from the Sunseeker stand at the London Boat Show, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. What a, what a great place to do an interview on this no, it's a very, magnificent very, Sunseeker boat. Yeah, it's a very unique, uh, unique setting. It Thank is, you very much. And unique for me. I've not been to the boat show or sat on a Sunseeker boat, so I'm enjoying it as much as you are. So, Jeff Hurst there speaking on the Mirror Football Podcast, brought to you in association with Ladbrooks. Um, really interesting what he had to say there at the end about Stoke and obviously their um, kind of disappointing season. Um, Stoke are in the market for a manager. 
as far as the bookmakers are concerned, uh, Ladbrokes have Martin O'Neill as the 6-5 favourite. Uh, Slavon Bilic, 7-4, not too far behind. Uh, Kike Sanchez-Flores, um, formerly of Watford, is down to 2-1, to one, come out of nowhere today uh, in the betting stakes. Um, who should Stoke be aiming for? Um, kind of in, in terms of managers, out of those three, is there anybody that you know you actually you think could turn them from relegation contenders to, I mean, just you know the solid mid-table Premier League team that they have been for for many a year now? I'd quite like to see Kike Flores back. To be honest, I thought he did a, a, a reasonable job at Watford. Left under a bit of a cloud, didn't he, at the end of the season? Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I liked the way he played the game. Um, very, very attractive football. Um, you mentioned the other two there, Martin O'Neill. He he's been out of the game for a while, hasn't he? In terms of club management, you know, he's he's done a again a reasonable job at Ireland, but he'd be disappointed that they didn't didn't qualify for the World Cup this time round. Um, I think I think to be honest, I think Mark Hughes probably should have gone probably should have gone before now. I mean, he's finished what eighth or ninth with Stoke a couple of the last few seasons, and there was only there was only one way to go from there. I mean, unless unless you know. They, you see the likes of takeover like we've seen in the Premier League before. Stoke aren't going to finish higher than sort of eighth or ninth. I think it was probably time to freshen up a bit in the summer, but we've seen it drag on, and this is how it's ended. Absolutely. And, and Slavin Bilic, who you mentioned as well, I think you know the the season he had at West Ham before before he got the boot. Uh, I wouldn't be too excited by that prospect if I was a Stoke fan. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. Um, I was speaking to some Stoke fans over the weekend. This is before they lost to Coventry. Um, so early in the day when they're a little bit higher in spirits they all agreed Hughes out a few of them said Billich is probably the one they won which is uh, um, I I think they blamed the stadium at West Ham for half the reason behind him kind of being made a scapegoat um, for um, kind of West Ham's demise I mean, is the West Ham's last season at Upton Park was great, wasn't it? You know, so he surely can do it in this country. But yeah, they, they were so bad this season. Uh, as it stands, Stoke are without a manager, and that is as they go into a game against Manchester United uh, at the back end of the weekend. I think it's Monday night actually. Monday night, Manchester United against Stoke. Uh, so not the ideal game for for Stoke when they're wanting to turn their their fortunes around. Um, Looking ahead to the, I mean, I say looking ahead to this game, but Jose Mourinho, right? He's been in the news a lot recently for his kind of jibes at Antonio Conte and Conte's jibes back. Some of them have been pretty low blow, haven't they? Have they maybe crossed the line? I think Conte said, uh, accused Mourinho of maybe having dementia at one point. Um, uh, Mourinho brought that up. That was apparently a mistranslation. Uh, okay, okay, apologies. Um, it, apologies if so. Um, also, the. Um, there was um, the match fixing um, potential like allegations which Mourinho brought up. Have they stooped too low, or are actually they just making it interesting for us? All? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great. Yeah. This is what we want. We, yeah. uh, we, we don't want mind games. We want out and out insults. That's yeah, what we yeah. want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think for, for, for us, for us in the media, it gives us something to talk about, and uh, yeah. you know they clearly don't like each other, and you know it really stirs the pot. Next time my United play Chelsea, I think when it Conte yeah. sort of basically just said, face to face, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll meet him. Will he meet me? Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, great. Uh, you I know. absolutely back Conte. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a crazy man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you reckon it's maybe just frustration for? the pair of them the fact that they're just not in a title race um, yeah I mean yeah they've got to make themselves relevant somehow haven't they I mean everyone's talking about Guardiola and rightly so is you know one of the best attacking teams we've ever seen in the Premier League uh, I think these two when they both join their respective clubs 
thought they were going to be challenging for the for the league, but it's, it's just absolutely not a race. Um, they get they're getting in, getting under each other's skin. I mean, everyone thought when Guardiola joined that it was going to be the Mourinho Guardiola sort of exchanging words every now and then, but Guardiola seems to have risen above it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, Chelsea facing Leicester this weekend. Um, I, I assume that none of us can see any um, any chance of an upset. Leicester appear to have gone a little bit off the boil after their initial run uh, under Claude Puel. Yeah, I, th- I think you'd expect Chelsea to get the three points, but um, it won't be an easy game. Leicester aren't a, aren't a bad side, you know. I think they're going to finish comfortably inside the top half. Uh, still got. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Jamie Vardy's going to be back here. He, he missed the Fleetwood game with a little bit of a niggle, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you'd, you'd expect it to be a home win. I think. Most of. Um, undoubtedly, the game of the weekend, or on paper anyway, uh, is Liverpool against Manchester City. Uh, being played Sunday uh, obviously we've spoken a little bit about Liverpool earlier we've spoken a little bit about uh, City as well already so we'll keep it relatively brief on this game um, but surely it's going to be goals it's going to be like a 4 all, 5 all, something like that it's going to be I mean I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be an absolutely ridiculous game is, is that what you guys expect? Well it's funny you say that Aaron because uh, I've got a stat here Oh, oh. Uh, there's oh. been 33 goals in the last 10 games between the two uh, in all competitions, averaging over three goals a game. Uh, I don't expect it to be any different, to be honest. Uh, Liverpool haven't lost City in 14 games uh, at Anfield. Um, so I, I do think if City get through this unscathed, I think that'll be the season they'll go unbeaten. Yeah, I think I, this is the game they'll, if they stumble here. I was going to say, I think this is, this is probably their toughest game of the season. Um, just because of the sheer attacking threat Liverpool have, you can't see Liverpool not scoring against that City defence. Uh, it's just a case of if City can get more of the other end, you know, there's every chance they will. And I think yeah. both teams have, have got an absolute embarrassment of riches in that area. I think um, Coutinho leaving might just be the thing that maybe means City get a result there. Um, is this the one then that where City's unbeaten run ends? Like, I mean, I know you've just said it. You know, City maybe just edge it. Um, Connor, do you think it's uh, it's Liverpool's? Glory day! It's, uh, it's finally under under no, the roof. City. I, I, I don't. I can't see how this. I winning it. To be honest, yeah, I, I think, I think a, draw, yeah. a score draw is, is is all this is going to come out with. To be honest, I, I don't see City breaking their duck. They just don't seem to like playing at Anfield. Seven seven. Seven seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'd take that, won't we? To be honest. Yeah. Nice, nice and fun. Plenty yeah. of re, plenty of rewrites for whoever's doing the match report. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll probably yeah. be me. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, um, City. Uh, uh, City proven with the Bristol City game. I know we we we, we all watched the game the City Bristol City game last night together um, did they prove last night that they're beatable um, when obviously Bristol City kind of an admirable approach there to um, I mean taking the game to City in the first half and then actually looking reasonably solid in the second well, they've done it again haven't they with a winner in injury time I don't know how many more times they can do that it's uh, it's getting a bit silly to be honest but I think last night proved just how you know how good they are and I, I think with the amount of late winners it's no coincidence. I, I just don't think they're going to be beaten this season. I, I, I don't see them beating and, uh, Liverpool at Anfield either, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, Tottenham against Everton is probably the the next biggest, more most exciting game uh, of the weekend. Um, two teams in contrasting runs of form. Everton seems to have hit a little bit of a lull after their initial um, kind of resurgence under Sam Allardyce. Tottenham uh, since getting thrashed by Manchester City. Uh, at, at the SL, you did get thrashed, though, didn't you? Well, you say harsh. I wasn't on the pitch, mate. Yeah, but yeah, but you got you got <laughs> yeah. thrashed. Yeah, you got completely in order to wipe the floor with. Uh, I'd just rude. like to remind you of that. Well, that's rude. <laughs> um, but Spurs have done well since. Spurs have done well since. A few good results. I know they had a draw against West Ham, and maybe not the 
the most you know the biggest spectacle yeah. of a game. Uh, but um, Tottenham back on course for the top four. Do you believe? Uh, I do, but I think I think Big Sam would have paid close attention to West Ham's performance and how they set up at Wembley. Uh, and Moyes' plan, you know, worked exactly how he would have wanted it to. To be honest, I mean, it could have been a lot better for him with the going one nil up with that unbelievable goal from Obiang. But um, I expect Allardyce to approach the game in a very similar way to Moyes. Uh, Tottenham don't seem to like it when teams do that. They've already drawn at home to Swansea and Burnley this season. Uh, I say home, I mean Wembley. Um, they, they would have seen Stoke and Southampton come here in recent months, and you know Tottenham put a five bars both of those sides who tried to come out of their shell a little bit and you've seen what happened I do expect Spurs to sneak it but I'd expect it to be quite close also uh, possibly Cenk Tosin's debut for, for Everton be one to look out for yeah um, I noticed interestingly with the team selection in the FA Cup game uh, he started Kane and Lorente uh, kind of a, was it, I mean was that a change was, of system or, cause yeah it was they, I mean, they, they don't really strike me as two players that I can really see playing together. No, I mean it didn't really come off. I mean Lorente had a few a few good touches. Um, Kane was sort of basically playing in behind at the moment. Uh, I think Lorente wanted a bit too much time on the ball and didn't really come off. Uh, Spurs only started scoring once once Lorente went off. Son came on, then it opened up again. Kane went back up top and scored a couple of goals in a couple of minutes. So. Yeah, absolutely. So not something you can see. I can't see it. Actually. Can't see it happening again. To be honest, I think Pochettino used the game just to sort of try it out and see if it was something that that could be a use going forward but I don't really think he would have seen much that he, they liked Fair enough um, The last game that takes place this weekend that we're actually going to uh, or in the Premier League that we're going to just talk about in a little bit of detail Bournemouth against Arsenal uh, on Sunday uh, Anybody getting a bit bored of I don't know you will be you're a Spurs fan <laughs> uh, anybody getting a bit bored of Arsene Wenger's moaning and stuff because I mean they're, they're, on, they're on a bit of a torrid run uh, obviously going out of the FA Cup in, Do we know the referee is yet? Uh, I don't know who the Mike referee. Dean would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll be very, I'll be very surprised if Mike Dean is uh, is given another Arsenal game for a while. But I mean, Wenger is he just making excuses now um, for for his side? Because let's be honest, his side haven't exactly played well in maybe other than the Chelsea game. I think they did all right against Chelsea, but they haven't particularly played well in any of the other. That's it. Look, you can't deny that Arsenal have had a, a couple of decisions go against them. The Callum Chambers handball at West Brom was a, a terrible decision. It was, nev- it was never a penalty. Yeah. Um, at Forest at, at the weekend, Forest's second penalty, he clearly struck the ball twice. Disagree. <laughs> I mean, you know, but but, 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 but there were still three. There were still three. To absolutely, down, and and I think a lot of Arsenal fans, to be fair, have made that point that. Um, the performances have been so abject that for Arsene Wenger to come out and sort of blame the officials, Arsenal have lost those games in spite of those errors or drawn those games uh, in spite of those errors rather than because of them. Um, the performances haven't been good enough, and you know Arsene Wenger by coming out and making those comments has just shot himself in the foot because he's now two games into a four-game touchline ban. Um, he's said himself he hates it. You know, he, he doesn't feel like he can he can coach from up there. So, you know, he's, he's only got himself to blame, to be honest. Basically, I think it's a case of swings and roundabouts. I mean, we all remember the North London derby, the uh, Arsenal's first goal, Mustafi had it from a free kick that was never a free kick. And then we all know that. He's not bitter. I, 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 I don't remember that. Uh, I have no recollection. The goal was also offside, so it is swings and roundabouts. I mean, 
I, I can't imagine he was complaining about that after the game. I feel like I have to apologise to Arsenal fans when you when we get you on this podcast just for the sheer bias towards Tottenham. I just bring a bit of balance to it, to be honest. I think I'd appreciate it. <laughs> um, right, OK. Uh, moving on, though. Let, let, last of the games, uh, we're not particularly going to talk loads about... Um, oh, I mean, we're not going to talk all about these fixtures. None of them are particularly inspiring. Sorry if you are a fan of any of these teams. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Burnley. Huddersfield versus West Ham. Newcastle versus Swansea, West Brom versus Brighton, Watford versus Southampton. We'll mention Southampton uh, briefly. Uh, with Ladbrokes, uh, Pellegrino is the 6-4 on favourite to be the next to leave his club. Um, other than that... Um, Newcastle Swansea is one for the geography fans, isn't it? What a trek. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Good. It's yeah at least you know, at 3pm, they'll yeah, put it on yeah. a ridiculous like Monday night. There Mon- is that, because they usually do. Yeah, and a Monday night game, I'll be honest, I wouldn't particularly want to watch anyway. Um, but yeah, um, back to Pellegrino, I mean, it's, it's, it's dead man walking. They need a result, don't they? Uh, they've not been impressive this season, Southampton, especially at home. Uh, every time I've watched them, they've, they've really flattered to deceive. Uh, yeah, he's, he, I can, you can see why he's favourite to be the next to go. Um, they are in desperate need of result just to make their season give it a bit of relevance, I think. It must be frustrating for him because we've seen in a couple of the games against the big teams that they are capable of doing it when they want I mean they had the draw at St Mary's with Arsenal you could say they were unlucky to draw that they should have scored more goals and that was that Giroud late late equaliser uh, recently got a point at Old Trafford that's probably the most organised they've looked yeah. uh, defended like they have yeah. what defended as yeah. they hadn't all season in that game uh, against against the big side it must be quite frustrating for him but they do look quite uninspiring to be honest yeah no, absolutely Um before we go, uh, like always on this podcast, we do want to talk a little bit about the championship. We always keep ourselves ticking over with a, a few of the the key points um, around the second tier. Uh, the second tier, which we've said numerous times, Wolves have pretty much won. Uh, we don't expect anything to change. Get that top off that bus. Get yeah. it ready. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially ridiculous that they've been linked with like thirty-five million pound transfers. Which are, I mean, we. I, I think oh, we're, 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 we're Milan. Yeah, I, th- I, I think th- that's been quashed already. Yeah, yeah. I th- let's, I, let's gloss over it, shall we? I think yeah. we're pretty sure that it's uh, it's, it's not the. Uh, I mean, I mean, imagine trying to Andre Silva's. Uh, was he living in Milan at the moment? You know. Imagine trying to sell that to him. <laughs> Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton. There's a good yeah. spoons there. Yeah? Yeah, that is a selling point for him. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> they have Weatherspoons in Milan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Andrew Silva's not going to go to Wolves. Uh, there is a big game in the Championship this weekend, and it is pretty much the precise reason why you are on this podcast this week, James. Why, I've why, confidence why, there. Why you had the, <laughs> <laughs> why you the, the call-up this week. Um uh, James, if you cannot tell from the strongest accent you will ever hear on this podcast, he is from Sheffield. Uh, this weekend, or Friday night, is the Steel City Derby uh, at Bramall Lane. United versus Wednesday. Um, are you looking forward to it? No. No. Absolutely not. Just just for clarity, uh, well, uh, James, James is a Wednesday fan here. Um, I, say, I don't think we said that um, earlier on this, this, uh, not a this episode. Um, but um, so no, not looking forward to it at all. No, I mean, I don't think you can ever really look forward to these games anyway. But just just the way the season's gone, you know, it's, it's been a real slog for Wednesday. They've they've had a lot of injuries and they've got a lot of injuries. They, you know, their their first choice eleven pretty much is in the treatment room. Uh, you know, that's, excuses. Yeah, already. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I knew that was yeah. coming. You could call it an excuse if you want. It probably is. <laughs> but you know, and, and you know, United have been impressive. Um, they started the season excellently. I think they were in the top two 
for the first two or three months of the season. Uh, they have fallen away a little bit in recent weeks. They, they themselves had a big injury. Um, their midfielder Paul Cooks broke his leg, uh, and since then, since then they've they've fallen away a little bit. Uh, but I think they're still just clinging on to sixth spot. Um, so they're they're still very much in the promotion mix up. Um, Wednesday, there's quite a, a good narrative to it in that it's Wednesday's new boss first game in charge. You know what? A We're bat- up all night to get a hoop, yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> what what a baptism of fire for for Big Joss, as I'm going to call him, Joss, uh, with yeah, uh, with just just being careful not to mispronounce his surname. Did, uh, have we had any clarification on how to pronounce his I, surname? I believe it's Luhukai. Luhukai, Luhukai yes. yeah. yeah. Luhukai. Yeah. But you know, he's, he's a he's a he's a uh, a complete unknown to to football fans in this country. I think. Um, He's a Dutch a Dutch manager who's coached his full career in Germany. He's, man, he's managed. I can imagine our German football expert Alex Richards. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's managed Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, he's managed Hertha Berlin. He's managed Stuttgart. So he's, he's managed some big clubs um, with with big crowds and big expectations. So I think from that from that side of things, Wednesday will be will be confident he can do a good job. But you know, ultimately, he can only work with the tools he's got. And at the minute, just the amount of injuries that the club's got, kind of makes me go into this game with quite a lot of trepidation uh, I, b- I believe he's already kind of bigged up the derby kind of in interviews and stuff he, like he seems to understand what uh, what yeah. derby day means for you yeah guys. he has and you know that is so important because chris wilder on the other side of it you know he's a he's a died in the wool sheffield united fan he you know he's a he's a boyhood blade and and he completely gets it and i, f- I firmly believe that's what got them the result at hillsborough earlier this season on paper we should have walked that game and Carlos Carvalho, who's now in charge at Swansea, said in the build-up to it that to him it was it was a football match that was worth three points, and I I don't think he understood what it means to the city and and the people of Sheffield, and I think that was that was Wednesday's undoing that day. Um, Josh Luhukai in his in his first interview uh, when he was announced that he was going to take over at Hillsborough sort of said it it was not just the first game of the season, but for him it would be the highlight of the season, and that. He managed Hertha Berlin against Union Berlin in the second tier in Germany. Very similar sort of situation. Uh, you know, a massive crowd. I think he said there was sort of like seventy-five thousand people in the ground for a second tier game, which is incredible. So I don't think he'll be phased by it. You know, I'd, I'd just, I'd just sort of uh, tell everyone to watch the game. I think I, I said I said this last time uh, before the home game. I think he's one of the most underrated derbies in the country. Um, you'll just get, ask Sean Bean. You'll get blood and thunder. You'll you'll get you get all that. Um, you know, it, it means just as much to the people of Sheffield as Arsenal Tottenham means to the people of North London and and things like that. Excellent stuff. Um, so you're not expecting a Wednesday win. Uh, I just hope Wednesday go there organised. If if they can keep a clean sheet, if we can get out there with a nil nil, I will snap your hand off. Fair enough, uh, Connor. How do, how do you see it going? Do you do you see? Uh, can you see Wednesday getting anything? Well, I'm a, I'm a bit more confident in Wednesday than uh, than our Wednesday fans seems to be. To be honest, I think oh, okay. form goes out the window with the derby. Uh, at the end of the day, it's eleven men against eleven men. Some might not be fully fit, um, but you know, new manager bounces exist. It does. I think this is, I think this is it's a great game to have. Up for, how could the players be any more motivated than a derby under a new manager? I think Paolo Di Canio's first game in charge of Sunderland was at Newcastle, That's wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they went one, there yeah. and got a result. So yeah. hopefully, uh, That's where the, the iconic celebration shot yeah. on the side. Did he go down to his knees? on his knees. The Sunderland had a tattoo on his leg, didn't he? Of Di Canio yeah. with his arms <laughs> out. So yeah, you know, hopefully we get something like that. Good stuff. Uh, right, 
that will be it for this week on the Mirror Football Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for, for listening, as always. Uh, make sure you never miss an episode of the Mirror Football Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Spotify. Uh, you can also find us all over the Mirror Football social media. Uh, we'd also appreciate any uh, ratings that you want to give us on any of those platforms. Um, five star, hopefully. Uh, I, I really, really hope it'll be five star. Yeah, oh, no, it will, uh, yeah, after, but, after this week. But yeah. we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll take that. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week uh, with a look uh, kind of across more of the transfer window, a um, bit more Premier League action, and um, maybe James will be back on telling us about the greatest day in Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday season. Uh, we never nice know. Nice hope, so. Uh, we never know. But uh, until then, uh, it's uh, goodbye from us. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.